When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a pleasure to have him on the show, despite the fact, as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, that you did your best to lose his son. I did not, Gilly. In a, in a crowd not. of 50-odd thousand. <laughs> did you find oh, him? I don't know. Nah, mate. Oh, Paddy, I think that's a bit harsh. Uh, <laughs> was on, he was on great parent watch, good babysitting duties, and delivered the set package beautifully down to me on there. But uh, how are you, gentlemen? Good to chat. Yeah. And, uh, well, that was an extraordinary evening, that one, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was pretty, good. Uh, it was good. It was a good game really? of cricket. Uh, you know, yeah. Brisbane fluffed a couple of their lines in there. You know, might have been a bit yeah. different, but uh, but it was a good effort, good last week. Yeah, it, it, you're spot on. I think um, I think if you played a few scenarios again, the result might go a bit of a different way. But, um, yeah, it culmination of what was a, a good revival for the competition, I thought. Yeah. Um, crowds viewership on TV, uh, standard of cricket in in general. Um, so, yeah, it was well done, Cricket Australia. I think we we beat them up a fair bit, but they, they did listen at the end of last year's Big Bash and they took a few things on board from, from various uh, sectors of feedback. And well done, yeah. yeah Gilly, Hills has said now, now that this transition is not going to be easy. Coming from Big Bash and the wickets they faced there, and the bulk of them have got to go straight to India. And, and what do we, you know? What are we going to expect in Nagpur on Thursday? You're certainly not going to expect what they saw at Optus Stadium or the Gabba, <laughs> or maybe, maybe a bit of Sydney. That 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 game that the the Heat won, the uh, little heist in Sydney the other night when um, <laughs> when Michael Neeser took them down. But uh, but those guys weren't there anyway, were they? The, the Indian players. Um, it's uh, going to be tough. Yeah, it's. But uh, look, I, I think they they adjust pretty well. These guys, they know that they skip around different tournaments, different places, uh, probably a little bit more regularly than what certainly what we used to do. Um, but it, it's just going to be a tough, tough um, challenge. There's no doubt about it. I was just reflecting on it this morning, and um, and just how unpredictable it is, and how exciting it is. And so many summers in Australia in for a long time in test cricket we've almost known the result before the first ball season bowled yes uh, this summer's test cricket was exciting and entertaining but it wasn't it wasn't a, a real contest was it so um, that's the beauty of this this uh, series that's about to start we do not know which way it's going to go uh, each day let alone the, the each test or, or the series I, I don't think there's a there's a nation that tours well these days, Gilly. Um, are you happy to trust? I am. Are you happy to trust Andrew McDonald's requested preparation for this one? Or do you think they could have done something differently before the first test? Now, mate, I'm completely comfortable with in entrusting the, the group that's there. They know themselves. They know what they've been through. They know the schedule they've had and have had to live it. Well, you know, we can observe and, and, uh, and heels. That's, you know, without dragging it back to to our time, that was one of the frustrations, wasn't it, when you were a player? Um, outside observation and perception was very different to what the reality of living, mm-hmm. the, the lifestyle and the and the schedule and the challenges of flights and so on. And um, So they know it. Um, and I think they're a really experienced enough group 
to, to know what preparation they need. I think you've got to trust their judgment on yes. that too. And, um, you know, our great mate John Buchanan in, in 2004 proposed it and then we very uh, gleefully accepted um, canning a tour match in between the second and third tests. Uh, we had a 10-day break, and in fact, some of the boys flew to the Maldives. I flew to Singapore to catch up with Mel and our newborn daughter, and um, it just refreshed the whole thing. So little examples like that where you've got to take on board the uh, experience of the people involved and just say, okay, well, that, if that's what you think is the right thing to do, you've got to, got to trust it. Yeah. We're going to have hurdles. We know no Stark, no Hazelwood, no green bowling uh, as we look at it at this stage. And Heels has been saying, Gilly, all the way through, no Stark is going to be vital for Lyon because of the scuff marks that he leaves yep. on, on the wicket. So there are ramifications of, of three of our regular, you know, first 11 players unable to bowl. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. Nathan Lyon's uh, greatest uh, ally has been Mitchell Stark for, yeah. for most of his career. So and uh, for those uh, obvious reasons of foot marks and getting it into the right spot. So... Um, yeah, that's a that's a challenge. But I I think you know if, if it's Boland's coming in, he's I think he's going to be really well suited to the setup there with that just miserly nagging line and length attack the stumps. He hits pads, he hits stumps um, with the right set field and the right um, you know approach by way of not necessarily being too aggressive in your mind in chasing a wicket, but uh, you know that defensive mindset is what then leads to an offensive um, attack, if you like, with the right field setting. So, and I think Pat um, Pat knows that very well. I've, I've been really impressed with his leadership of that team. And I think um, so. Between Cummins' skill, Boland's skill, Nathan Lyon, and then whether they, you know they're going to go with, I suppose Lance Morris if they think that they need another quick, but um, or the the other spinning options of which they've got a few there, haven't they? So. Um, it, it's a it's a loss, a big loss, Mitchell Stark. But you know, you look on the other side of the fence, and that's what makes it intriguing too. The no Rishabh Pant, no Jasprit Bumrah. Mm. They're a couple of key players for that Indian lineup, so it, it probably all balances out a little bit. Uh, who do you bat at six, Gilly? Um, it, it, does Cam Green keep his spot without too, any bowling or not too much bowling? And what's important over there to win, being such a successful captain as you were? Uh <laughs> that's a nice rap here. I've captain three games. You know. <laughs> Undefeated, <laughs> one, mate. One, one washout, and, uh, <laughs> and it was a massive team effort for about five years building up to that. So, um, but mind you, Ricky did come back for the fourth, and we got crunched. So exactly. I'll claim it. But um, um, I think, such as the way of this psyche of uh, the selectors and the team, I think they'll start with Green at six. Um, mm. I think they'll trust and show faith that sure, you know, surely he's fully fit um, to bat and and have not, not be hindered by that finger injury at all. Um, I think that's the nature of this group. They're pretty um, trusting of each other and 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 really keen to back each other in every situation. So, and the way he played in Sri Lanka, I think he sort of it almost looks like Green. He develops every before our very eyes every time he plays a game of cricket because he came in pretty young and raw and I reckon I reckon the um, steps forward he took in Sri Lanka they'll be hoping that he can keep that progress going so I, I think he or if not him I'd, I'd be really keen to see Matt Renshaw get into that lineup somewhere I've, 
I think he's well and truly ready to play again. And, and I think he could do it in Australia or India or England. I think he's got a really rounded skill set of, um, in, in his toolkit. So that I think they'll start with Green. Um, what do you got to do? Just just be patient. Just just try to not let, as you remember, he'll not let everything off the field get um, overbearing and, and, and all-encompassing. Find a way to have your own little bit of space if it's the respite of your, ho- your, your, your hotel room. Or, But they've got team rooms and everything set up now mm. where the guys... It's a different, it's a different beast even from 20 years ago. Let alone when you first went there, Hillsow, and mm. um, they, they've got all the creature comforts they need to be comfortable. And and they're, so I think they're a really relaxed, quite sort of philosophical group, well led by Pat, who who thinks more broadly about the world than probably I ever did. And I think that's going to help them out over there. Yeah, yeah good stuff. Hey, Gilly, really appreciate your time. Sounds like your flight's not far away from being called. Just quickly, guys, uh, coming through on Fox Sports, Aaron Finch looks set to uh, call time on a, a glittering international career. He's got a, a press conference this morning at 9.30 Queensland side uh, time, I should say. He already retired from ODIs, uh, but it remained a skipper of the uh, uh, T20 side. But it looks like he's about to announce his international cricket retirement. And uh, what a wonderful career it's been. Absolutely outstanding. One of the great white ball players for our country, for sure. And terrifically popular person. Everyone loves him. Everyone loves him. So well played, Finchie. Good stuff, mate. Thanks, really, Gilly. really appreciate your time. Adam Grillcrest there. Cheers, boys. Thanks, mate. See you later. Massive story, as we've said, uh, right throughout the morning, breaking around the EPL with the Glamour Club Manchester City, uh, charged with over 100 breaches of financial regulations. And this comes after a four-year investigation that they didn't necessarily help out much. We tracked down one of our greatest footballing experts this morning, Heels, and one of the most respected voices in Australian football, Craig Foster. I am Craig, thanks for joining us today. Uh, this is a big, big story, isn't it? Yeah, big story. It's not uh, totally unexpected because the club has been in trouble before already. Uh, only a few years ago, I think around 2020, they were banned from for two years from the UEFA Champions League by UEFA, which is the European governing body, uh, based around similar charges and the same information that was leaked in what was called football leaks a number of years ago and, and uh, was published by Der Spiegel over in Germany. Uh, but the Court of Arbitration for Sport rescinded that two-year ban, allowed them to continue to play on, and I think they had a 30 million euro fine and they took it down to 10 so they're very lenient but now the question is more for the premier league itself as to how they're going to deal with one of their most successful and richest clubs in recent times who clearly have a tremendous amount of political influence both within uh, england and uh, and also across europe yeah, it's a, it's a very uh, big web of intrigue. This They've overstated some sponsorship income. They've understated payments. They, uh, they've had an Abu Dhabi club pay Mancini's wages in secret. What, what's it all about? What, what, what are the, the breaches? Yeah, so essentially this financial fair play was brought in in order to give some transparency and clarity around where clubs' incomes was coming from. It was in response to a period back in the 90s when a lot of the clubs were going into administration. They were not either not being truthful about their accounts or they were just completely overspending. And what happened is the clubs came together and the game and said, look, you know, we can't have people just going out of business, you know, left, right and centre. So we need to put some framework around this. 
And of course, the first thing that, you know, not just Manchester City, but, you know, other clubs across Europe try to work out is how do they get around those rules? Yep. Now, given that they are actually owned by uh, an uh, Abu Dhabi uh, state government entity, they had then the possibility to use, for example, uh, Emirates Airlines as a sponsor. And so what they would do allegedly is give a sponsorship that was three or four times the value of what any other sponsor would pay. Mm-hmm. And so they would book that sponsorship income and say, well, therefore, we can pay our players more. You know, we've got all of this massive revenue. And so the clubs, you know, they, they, it was all leaked. And uh, once that was found, uh, you know, which raises questions about the auditing of all of these issues. Uh, and then what happened is they said, okay, we need to investigate. They didn't cooperate. And they've continued to constantly say that there's nothing wrong when there patently is. So the question for the Premier League, and it's the Premier League itself, uh, of which Manchester City is, you know, very influential mem- member who has to decide and the other members vote on what is going to be the penalty mm. for this club. The, the question for the game is this. We went, let's go back a few years in, in uh, Italy. Juventus, you know, the, the, the most successful club in the history of Italian football, was found, investigated and found to be interfering with refi- uh, referees. Mm-hmm. And so they were influencing them. They were paying them. It was called the Calciopoli scandal. And a number of, uh, you know, they'd won a number of titles during that time. It clearly wasn't um, done on an on a equitable basis. And therefore, they were actually relegated. They were, they were booted out That's of the right. Serie A. Yeah. So, so the question for the EPL is, you know, is financial doping, as it's so often called, is that any different to uh, interfering with ref, uh, referees? you know, and the integrity of the match on the field. Well, if, you, if you're working on a different financial base, there is no integrity in that competition. You know, the games that you are winning are, you know, based on a false premise. And therefore, you know, the, uh, I think relegation uh, is one of the options that's definitely open to the EPL, along with fines and, and points deduction. Yeah, you'd have to think fines wouldn't matter much to a club of this magnitude. So you're probably mm. looking at, at points or expulsion. And then, as you said, expulsion for a, such a high-profile club uh, would have ramifications in a lot of places, wouldn't it? Yeah, and because of the, the this history of this happening in Italy, only recently they had another financial irregularity scandal across a bunch of clubs. Uh, the president of Juventus, for example... Andrea Agnelli, you know, the son of the, the former owner of Fiat, um, he was booted out of the club. Their the, uh, football director who was responsible for these contracts was booted out. And they were given, I think, a 15 points deduction, which means they're basically out of Europe, which is a lot of revenue they lose. So Italy have worked out that they need to take a strong response here. The question for EPL is this is the biggest scandal they faced in this way. You know, what is going to be that response? I agree. It doesn't matter what the financial penalty is. This club just doesn't care. This, is, this club was at, the, at the, the beginning of the trend of states, particularly uh, golf states, owning sporting properties and football clubs. Mm. So PSG is owned essentially by Qatar, this group by Abu Dhabi. So they're owned by states with, you know, with all of the sovereign wealth that they have. So money doesn't matter. Um, they'll certainly have points deducted, but I just wonder myself whether the EPL are prepared to go further and A, strip them of the titles that they won during those years. And we're talking here, I think, about um, four to six years. Um, 
or whether they're actually prepared to um, suspend them from the competition itself in order to make a statement that, you know, this is, um, you know, that this was so improper. Mm. Well, as you might know, but when those clubs sat down to sort of discuss the initiation of financial play or play fair, did they have a, a list of consequences of, um, you know, mm-hmm. and penalties? Yep. Yes, they do. And so all of these things are contemplated. So... In the media today, and a lot of the, the a lot of the coverage around the world, there's a, a range of clauses that are in that agreement, the participation agreement from clubs, and and it says points deduction is possible, um, suspension um, or expulsion is possible. Um, of course, financial penalties are an obvious one, but it also has a clause there saying or any other penalty, you know, deemed to be appropriate by the governing body of the league, and mm-hmm. what that means is there is a real possibility or they, they have the right to actually relegate them uh, and to kick them out of the top tier of English football. So given that that's there, um, you know, that's, that's the main discussion this morning and fans all around the world are trying to wrestle with, you know, is it appropriate to boot them out or is it likely to just give them a big points deduction so that this year uh, they can't really perform? Or have these things got to be now proven? You know, they've been discovered. Have they got to be proven yet? Well, that's right. They're talking about an independent investigation now. Um, And so, you know, they'll run through that process again. They've already been caught, though, because UEFA, uh, you know, banned them for two years. That ban was overturned, but they were still fined 10 million, you know. Um, So they've already been caught in some regard. I don't think there's any question that there's been transgressions there. Uh, the question will be for the independent investigators, I guess, you know, how severe are they? Um, how much did it impact the uh, integrity of the competition? And I would say, well, fundamentally. Um, and during this period, I think reading this morning, they won three uh, Premier League titles at a time when they were hiding money paid to Mancini, their coach. And so, you know, they essentially had a squad that was better than what anyone else was capable of are paying for, and yeah. that's you know that's just simply against the integrity of the competition. Yeah, it's you're right. It's it's a massive scandal, and we'll, it, you know it's going to unfold over the next few months. So, but... Foz, have you got an idea what you would do? Um, I'd boot them out. Yep. Um, provided that these things are proven, um, you know it's it's clearly been systemic. It's been hidden. They have not uh, been transparent. Even the UEFA and, and Court of Arbitration for Sport in their former ruling said that they did not cooperate with the investigation. Um, that already is uh, a cause for fines and possible points deductions. You know, it's a very serious matter that goes to the integrity of the competition itself. If it's proven and it's of a significant scale, which it appears to be, um, I would do what uh, Serie A did with uh, Juventus and I'd boot them out of the competition and and uh, they'd have to fight their way back up. Yep. Yep, it's, you're right. It's a, it's a massive story. Craig, so much uh, appreciation for your time this morning and the insight. You've given us exactly what is happening over there, and uh, and we really appreciate it. My pleasure, guys. Thanks a lot, man. Craig Foster, I am joining us there, one of our, as I said, one of our greatest footballing experts and, and certainly one of the most respected voices in uh, in global football. Oh, he's not happy, is he? No. He's not happy. Well, neither should any fan. Integrity. Yeah. Oh, it's 
Uh, you can talk about it for ages. We will talk about it a lot more over the next month or two. You can uh, you can bet on that. Straight into our chat to Justin Holbrook because nice. he's got training only a few minutes away. So the Titans coach is joining us for the first time this year and uh, they're getting ready for matches for official trials start this weekend. Justin Holbrook, a very good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. No, morning, Paddy. Now, mate, it, it has been busy, but the, the one I wanted to talk about just very quickly... You would have had to wrap your arms as a club around AJ and, and a few of the others after the, the, the awful incident in Barcelona, mate. I, and I thought I'd get this out of the way early, just the tragedy. And, you know, how, does, how as a club do you embrace something like that that you can never, ever plan for? No, that's right. As you mentioned, you know, horrible um, accident that took place over there. And um, as we all know, we you know, closest friends, so... Uh, re- really tough time for him. Um, still is obviously, but um, but yeah, look, he's he's uh, you know being great. AJ sort of probably training's the best thing for him to be honest. Yeah. For you when you sort of get back into the swing of things instead of sort of sitting around, you keeping active, I guess. And yeah, as a club, we sort of support him through it, and um, you know he's 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 doing well considering. Mm, that's great news, and let's hope he he can throw himself into his work successfully, mate. Um, as short as that break probably was for you in the off-season, did you get away from footy at all? Oh, not really. Yeah, obviously, we're just not having a good year. This sort of October break, yeah, um, you know, not a lot got done there outside of planning for next year. So right. That's okay. <laughs> that's understandable. But, but the Christmas break's always great. That's sort of everything shuts down for, for a couple of weeks there, and um, that, that's always a good break to have no one sort of uh, wants to talk footy over that period. So you get a good little break at Christmas. And um, as we all know now, we're rolling around into the trolls this weekend, which is good. And you look at these other franchises, you know, they're swanning off to the SoFi Stadium in the US and get, you know, research and development and all other areas. And you're stuck planning for next year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I would have liked to have got over to the, the World Cup. But, um, yeah, yeah, when you don't have a great year, um, yeah, you don't get to do those things. So that's, that's right. understandable. But, um, no, we're all set and, and ready for this year. Well, speaking of that, mate, you had seven players in the World Cup. How have they come back? What's their attitude, their fitness levels, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, they've all come back really well. Obviously, um, you know, the, the Australian and New Zealand guys um, in, in Tino, Kieran Fawn and I was at Liu, we didn't didn't start till January. Um, but the other guys come back a few weeks before Christmas. So that's, yeah. That's uh, all done and dusted now, which is good, and they're all fitted in nicely and, and looking forward to the, the footy starting. Mm, I bet they are. It sounds like it. Philip Summings talking about fatigue training in the con room after training. <laughs> so have, have you been doing a lot of things new uh, or, or just flogging them like normal? <laughs> oh, look, every team trains hard, so it's probably no different than any other side. But, um, yeah, we have done a bit differently this year, and um, the boys have... They handled it really well, you know. From myself to the playing group, no one was happy with last year, so that that's obviously always a good motivator to do well this year. And they've bought into that, and whatever we've asked of them, they've they've done and they've handled it without complaining, which is uh, as a coach great great to see um, and observe, you know, happen. But um, as I said, everybody trains hard, so. Sunday night, sunny coast. You're up against uh, the Bronx. How many of your guns will you unleash? Uh, well, I probably um, won't play about eight, so there'll be plenty, plenty that will play. Um, yeah, we're sort of resting a, a few. The, the World Cup guys that, that played at the end there, the 
so they won't play. Um, and uh, and then a few other senior players, but we'll have um, we'll have plenty on show this weekend, um, which which will be great for us. Hey, Justin, is it a hard thing to uh, you know maintain confidence levels so that they your guns still feel like guns? Uh, you know, is that a, a challenge of coaching? Um, well, I can be, but I think that you know when when they get to that level, like sort of. You know, being AQ and Fortnite back then, in particular, when you, you know, Australia, New Zealand, um, you know, they're, 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 you know, professional players and they're at the highest level for a reason. So they look after themselves yep. and, and when they come back in, they're ready to go. And and the good thing is they're sort of keen to play too. Like, I'm not going to play Tino this week, but he's desperate to play, yeah. which is, that's, yeah. what, that's what I love about him. So, um, yeah, but anyway, we'll sort of, yeah, we'll, we'll rest a few of those guys this week. We're, and to be honest, just keep them training. So it's not... Not sort of lightening their their workload. It's just that they didn't really officially start with us till January. So just give them another really tough week that Philip Sammy was talking about. To be honest, and <laughs> and then they can um, fit in next week. Yeah. Hey, you never at any stage last season tried to understate the arrival of Foran and how important it will be for the club and just for the guidance of the back line, etc. But I, I've said a few times this year, I really believe that Sam Verrills might prove to be one of the great buys for your club. Yeah, I agree with you, Paddy. I think both those players are sort of exactly what we needed and, and what we probably lacked uh, last year, and, and we've sort of recruited really well in those areas. So those two guys are, are really hungry. They they want to do really well, which is great. So, um, yeah, we haven't started playing yet, but in terms of training, they've made a big difference, um, not just to themselves, but the players around them really benefit when you when you got a really smart nine in semi verils as you said and thought he finished the, the back half of last year exceptionally well so and and then Kieran with his experience and competitiveness is a, a perfect mix to, to bring in the, the nucleus of the, the same side you've probably got some pressurized decisions uh, with that back line I reckon either someone's going to miss out or a couple are going to be playing out of position how do you feel about that yeah, it's well. I feel okay about it because we didn't have the luxury last year, and 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 we really struggled as the year went on. So, look, um, there'll be some, I guess, disappointments at the start of the year. Everyone wants to make the side round one and um, in their preferred position. But the good thing is the the players themselves have collectively been fine whether they play out of position or not. They they want to have a successful year, so they're not they're not putting themselves first, which is a great sign for mm. me. They haven't had any. Any complaints um, from the players? They're, they're really upbeat and, and they want competition for sports and they want to have a good year. So um, they're happy to play anywhere as long as we're doing well. So uh, it's a good position to be in and, yep. and we need to be. Hey, in this period where you said, you know, you, you virtually had no time off whatsoever, there's been a bit of introspection, I would imagine. But have you set goals? What sort of goals do you set in your mind? And what, is there a pass mark for you and the Titans this year? Yeah, I think, look, no different to the start of every year. The eight sides that don't make the semis, they, they want to get into the finals. And, sure. And, and that's what everyone plans, and we're no different. Like, you know, we've mentioned a few guys we brought into the club, and we've got high expectations of the season that we want to have. And um, So, yeah, in terms of that break, we, we still had time off, but I enjoyed the process of making sure we get this year right. So I was okay that, yeah, it didn't sort of get anywhere great. Um but, um, but yeah, look, we've we got high expectations of ourselves and, and we want to get back into the finals, that's for sure. So, 
Um, it's always tough, but, you know, if you finish, which we did the year before, we finished eighth. So if you finish fifth to eighth, you want to make the top four. If you're in the top four, you want to win the comp. And <laughs> if you're in the eight that don't make it, you want to make the semis. But it can only be eight that make it out of 17 this year. So, But uh, we just, yeah, we, we've got to, you know, we've got to put ourselves back up in the mix. We're really disappointed with last year. So uh, we'll be doing our best. Yeah, the Gold Coast as a city. Uh, Justin, is it becoming better to to be able to focus on a professional career in sport? You know, it's taken some scalps over the years, but I feel you guys are on top of that. Yeah, well, I felt obviously you know, last year hurt us, but prior to that, I felt we were making some really good inroads mm. in the right direction and fell back for you know for a number of reasons. But um, yeah, the guys the guys who brought in um, you know all, all our new players actually are really. You know, rugby league focused sort of guys like Chris Randall and Joe Stimson, um, Aaron Shop, and then obviously we've mentioned you know, Sam Verrills and Kieran Fawn. So the guys we brought in are, are, are real footy guys, which which we need here. And then we've got, as I said, the nucleus of a real good young side to go around them. So yeah, we're we're planning on on that. You know, really um, want to have a good year and. And then secondly to that is it's obviously a great place to live, but we want to make rugby league the main focus and, and we want to do well for the city because um, if we do, we know everyone loves rugby league up here, but uh, you got to you got to win for, for people to enjoy it. So that's, that's yeah, what good. we plan on doing. Cool. Hey, you're only moments away from training. We, as usual, appreciate the time you, you do give us. You thought you'd escaped without a David Fafita question. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd best ask. Maybe, maybe I'll have if I hang up now. Where are you at? Yeah, not sure. Um, it's, it's always ongoing, but we're, you know, we're really happy with David. His commitment to his training has really improved over the last, uh, or since he's come back from the World Cup. So um, we, we're doing everything we can to um, to get him up to speed um, this year, and obviously everything we can to to try and keep him here long term. So I think um, I'm I'm in no rush, and, and I'm okay with him sort of taking his time with that. So mm-hmm. hopefully in the next couple of weeks won't drag on too long, so we don't want it to be a you know ongoing every week type of question. So um, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, very good. All right, mate. Hey, really appreciate it. As I said, you're always so generous with your time with us in particular and your honesty as well. And I know there's uh, every league every league fan in this state wish the Titans the very best of luck for the season. Yep. Good luck, Justin. Ah, that'll be great. Thanks very much. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Eels. Justin Holbrook joining us there, Titans coach. He's about to go to work. Uh, he's, <laughs> he hasn't had much time off work, as he said. But oh. uh, yeah, that's tough when you have a when your bad se- when the season is not going the way you planned. Uh, you do have to put the extra work in. Yeah, and loved it. Loved it. You loved sitting in your office with your staff, working things mm. out, eh? Things we can do different tomorrow. It's 8.42. Next year. We haven't spoken for a while. Can't wait to have a chat this morning because he's in Arizona waiting for Super Bowl media day. Pete Bedell, a very good morning to you. Oh, hello, boys. It's good to hear your voice, Paddy, the, the legend of journalism. <laughs> I haven't even thanked you or, or congratulated you on your retirement, mate. You, you're still... 47 years at seven, what an effort. Yes, uh, snuck through, uh, bluffing them for that long. It's uh, it's almost unbelievable <laughs> in the media. Uh, uh, your colleague Crash was very kind to me, mate. He wrote a beautiful piece and I'll forever be in his debt. Mm. Yeah, it was beautiful. We'll talk about bluffing, boys. I'm over here bluffing my <laughs> way through Super Bowl media week. Can you believe it? I never thought I'd do it, but here I am. Well, uh, we'll talk about this at the moment because I'm just hearing that you can't stay for the game. 
<laughs> yeah. So, boys, the reason I'm over here, I, I covered uh, Liam Wilson's world title fight, yeah. the Queensland boxer, who nearly pulled over one of the great boilovers in boxing history. So I was over here for that, and then it just so happened that they notified us that there was a media event for the Super Bowl two days later. So work kindly put me up for another two days, and I'll be doing the media event tonight, uh, talking to Jordan Malata, of course, the the former rugby league player, and uh, and then I'll be on my way home because my flights are booked for the following night. So oh, no. I won't be staying for the Super Bowl, which is a huge shame. But, uh, yeah, Australia's calling, boys. Well, I'm telling you, I'm doing a little favour for your boss at the Courier Mail tomorrow, a little podcast. So do you want me to work on him? <laughs> With your charm and wealth, Pat, I'm sure you could work your magic, mate. Hey, look, there's so many topics to talk about, including a couple of league heavyweights having a wrestle. But let me talk about the fight, firstly. Uh, your take on that and, and the, the, the disappointment from Wilson and, and what happens next. They're, they're talking about maybe cambosis. Yeah, look, Pat, I think he was he was genuinely robbed. I mean, I know we say that a lot in sport, particularly in rugby league. We hear that word all the time. But I think it was being there at the venue when when Liam put him down. I was I thought Navarrete was gone, and it was a tribute to his championship qualities that he rose from the canvas and then had the experience and the smarts to spit out his mouth guard and hang in there and do everything possible to delay the count. Now it ended up being 27 seconds. That's what the American TV replays counted. And I have no doubt, guys, talking to Liam later, he said if, if the fight was, if, if there was 10 seconds less in the count, he would have still been out of it and I would have finished him off with a couple more punches. Yeah. So just heartbreaking. I think he should have been world champion, Liam. It would have been the great, one of the great boilovers, possibly bigger than Horn beating Manny Pacquiao. And, but look, it wasn't to be, but he was so brave. And I think he showed that one day when he was a bit more experienced and some better fights... Liam will be a world champion one day. I thought. Stuff. I thought at the end too, Pete, that um, Liam was pretty steady on his feet. He was. He was copping a barrage, but he was blocking a lot of them. Did what? Did you, what did it look and feel like when being there? Yeah, I, I must say, heels. I thought in the eighth round I was starting to get a bit nervous, mm-hmm. and then in the ninth, when there was just that barrage from Navarrete, I, I start. I was. I was waiting for the for the referee yeah. to intervene. I, I. I wasn't shocked in the end. Look, I. Potentially, he could have let him go on a little bit longer, but I think if it went to a tenth round, I think looking at it close up and talking to Liam later, he was just about mentally shot, physically spent, and I don't think he would have lasted another okay. round if it went ahead. So, yeah, it was it was a, in the end a, a fantastic victory for for the Mexican. A perfect segue to our next fight: Latrell v. Whiten. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there was many punches thrown, boys. Nah. I hope not anyway. Well, guys, look, I think it's a bit of a... Personally speaking, I've seen this many a time covering rugby league. We hear of off-field incidents, and nine times out of ten, it ends up not being the crime of the century. Now, if it, if one of the guys has hit another member of the public, then fair enough. You know, throw the book at them, face legal proceedings. But I... If they were just having a wrestle over a birthday party, to me, it's a storm in a teacup and maybe they'll get a fine from the NRL and move on. But I guess in the fullness of time, we need to know all the details. It sounds like you haven't heard of any resistance to the police uh, because I I find it quite amazing if it is a a wrestle, a fun wrestle, it didn't need to be broken up like that. 
Yeah, and, and look, that's the thing, Heels. We we weren't there, so we don't know exactly what was said to the police. Maybe there was some, some vitriol aimed towards them, but I yeah. still think it was excessive force used. I mean, to pin an athlete on the ground, and you can hear him screaming, Latrell, my shoulder, my shoulder. I mean, to me, what happens if he dislocates his shoulder and it's a career-threatening injury? I mean, I, I just think there were many ramifications, and I'm just glad that Latrell wasn't seriously hurt, and... They probably look back on it and regret what happened. I think they've apologised already in a statement. So moving forward, yeah. let's just hope they learn from it. And it's not something that's needed, but it, maybe things got out of hand and the alcohol was at play perhaps. And um, let's just hope it doesn't happen again because Jack White does have form. He needs to, he needs yeah, to stay out right. of trouble. Yeah, exactly right. And he is 30 and, uh, and Latrell 25, so it's not as if they don't know. Um, anyway, hey, you've got to be excited about today, mate, or, or what's happening in the next few hours for you. Uh, this would be a, as big a media-type event that you've ever been to in your life, I would imagine. Oh, Pat, it's, it's been mind-blowing. I mean, I had to walk down to the to the nearby Phoenix Convention Centre about two hours ago just to pick up my accreditation, and I spoke to an Australian media representative there on behalf of the NFL, and she told me that there are 6,000 accredited journalists <laughs> from 24 countries and it's just it's just mind blowing, guys. I mean, I I've, I'm not a huge. I don't I don't know the NFL deeply. I don't watch it week to week. But when you come here and see the scale of things and the security around even accreditation for media, let alone the players, it's mind blowing. And, and pretty shortly, guys, I'll be heading over to the Footprint Centre, which is the home of the Phoenix Suns, the NBA team, to interview the players. And I'll be interviewing Jordan Malata. I mean, what what a story! A boy from Bankstown was virtually broke in 2017, playing under-20s for South, was offered a $10,000 deal by North Sydney Bears to play reserve grade. And his manager said, let's try the NFL. You're too big for this game. And here he is five years later on a four-year, $64 million contract on the cusp of winning a championship ring for Philadelphia. It's just mind-blowing. You'd have to think that uh, IMG Academy is working, worldwide academy that was able to pick him up. Yeah, it's a good point, Hills. I mean, there have been other examples. There's been three or four other players come through the system from other countries to make the NFL. So it's it's a good pathway. And it's it's the reason it was set up to identify players who weren't in the American college system, who weren't Americans, didn't come through the grassroots, but still had the potential of the physical dimensions to play gridiron. And, and Jordan Malata is the ultimate exhibition mm. of that. I mean... 203 centimetres, 166 kilos. <laughs> and looking at NFL analysts, they can't believe just how good he is. And his physical size just makes him a monstrous opponent. So the, the, the academy is doing a wonderful job, the IPP, at identifying talent, cultivating it, and ultimately delivering it to the NFL, which is a win for their sport. And the history thing is massive too. We know Jesse Williams, who's a Queenslander, won a ring with the 2013 Seattle Seahawks, but... Never played a game because of uh, of injury that season, and we've had a couple of other players play Super Bowls but not win. So we've got Jordan and his teammate Aaron Sipos. Could this would be a large slice of Australian sporting history? Oh, incredible, Pat! And uh, you mentioned Sipos. I'm glad you did, Pat, because he's the other Aussie that must not be forgotten in this story. I mean, former St Kilda AFL player, then ended up playing reserve grade, I believe, at Williamstown and was pretty much washed up as an AFL player and decided to have a crack as a punter in, in the NFL. And he's 
he's made his way through remarkably and he's only been reactivated on their list. He had an injury a couple of weeks ago and he's been reactivated. And so he'll be, it looks like he'll be cleared to play in the Super Bowl as well. So let's hope they get a victory because two Aussies winning rings in one game, it would be unprecedented and and a moment in history for them. Good stuff. Always great to chat. I mean, so many many issues that you've been covering the last few days and we really appreciate your time. Nothing happening back here, mate. Uh, No sort of rivalry between Dolphins or Broncos or anything new to report. (laughs) So (laughs) you'll come back to a very quiet landscape. Yeah, can we can we can we get Kevy and Wayne at war or something like that? <laughs> a training, something to just spice it up in the NRL. Oh, we'll do something. There's no doubt about it. Hey, mate, great to chat. We've got to get to a break because news is coming up. And enjoy the day, Pete, because this is just a massive day for anyone in the media. Yeah, thanks, boys, and uh, always love to chat. Thanks, Pete. Pete Vidal from the Courier Mail. There, joining us right now. Some racing. Queensland is your place to race this year. Uh, it is racing. The action continues this week across the sunny state. Visit racingqueensland.com.au. As I said, we had a very special guest lined up for today. We've got him on the line now, Hills. Sadly, he's had to uh, announce his retirement after a five-hour heart operation, triple bypass surgery, but it was obviously life-saving. This is a guy, Hills, that has raced in South Africa, Mauritius, Australia, New Zealand, mm-hmm. Dubai, Japan, Singapore, Hong Kong, won a Hong Kong Jockeys Premiership. Uh, ridden some of the greats, Rocket Man, Fairy King Prawn, and also won the 2020 Stradbroke on Tie Zone. Robbie Frad, a very good morning to you. Thanks for joining us on the show today. No, it's a pleasure, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. What a career, mate. <laughs> we just sit back now <laughs> and you've got a bit of time to think about it. But boy, you've crammed a lot into those 58 years. I did. I, um, uh, it's, I've been very fortunate, you know. Um, like I got the brakes going on Kong and all that, and um, I think just at the right place at the right time, I mm. think is, is what helped me, you know. And But look, then again, you've got to up your game when you go to these places to ride. You know, you can't just go there and, um, you know, expect things to be thrown at you. Um, you've got to work hard and you've got to improve your riding um, because, you know, Hong Kong's, um, it's, it's, it's one of those uh, places where, you know, if you can't take the heat in the kitchen, you've got to get out, simple <laughs> as that. Yeah, um, yeah that's it's, it's very competitive. Now, and before I ask a question, Robbie, first of all, how is the health? How's the heart surgery coming along? Yes, no, it's going very well. Um, I think I've, I feel like I've picked up a bit, a few pounds, but that's good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I feel human again. So, yeah. you know, um, but yeah, it's going good. Um, walking around and, and all that. And so, yeah, on the mend, um, um, I think I was very fortunate that I was fit when it happened. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, obviously the recovery will be a bit quicker. And so, um, did that yeah. make but did that make retirement easier? Uh, it did, yeah. Um, it's not the way, like I've said all the time. It's not the way I wanted to go out. Um, I had a goal to set um, the season, and uh, unfortunately, that was taken away from me with with this, and it was a shock. But um, yeah, I think I think it is. Um, you know, it, it's a warning sign to say, look, I think you've had enough. Um, you know, rather look after your health and um, and all that because you know you've got a got a young family, so. Um, I look at it that way, yeah. Definitely. Hey, Robbie, just as a, as a cautionary tale to our listeners, and I want to talk about racing in just a minute, but how did you go about finding out there was dramas with your heart? You know, I, I kind of sat at home a couple of times and I just fell asleep on the sofa and, like, just a bit tired. I went, uh, yeah, I feel a bit tired, you know, and um, lethargic. And, and then I think it was one time I was kind of, at races, and I was a bit short of breath, 
I'm like, oh man, that's not like me. You know, I'm a pretty fit guy, and um, even for my age. Um, so I said, oh, you know what? I'm due for blood tests and all that. Let me just go anyway, because I normally go once a year and check myself out. Um, and I went for the blood test, and of course, the calcium level was the one they were concerned about. And then I went for um, a stress test, and she picked up uh, that the heart itself, the top part, wasn't really functioning like she wanted it to. Mm. The bottom part was different. I said, well, can't we just go on the bottom part? I mean, surely that's okay, no? <laughs> That'll keep the top part okay. <laughs> she said, no. Um, so uh, that was on the Tuesday. And I said, okay, you know, she booked me for an angiogram on the Thursday. And I said, oh, it's okay. I've got three rides on the Wednesday. I'll just go and ride everything. No, 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 no. Mm. I don't want you, you know, mm. going, well, I said, no, don't ever. I'll be all right. No, no, I went to the road. Had a second. Short head. Yeah. And um, yeah, if I was firing on four cylinders, I would have won. Yeah. Only firing on two cylinders. Oh, that's uh, yeah. So we're looking for breathlessness and tiredness, Paddy. Yeah, okay. We're in a bit of trouble. Yeah, I think. And, and even the even the specialist guy said to me that look, he, he pulled out the model of the heart and he said you've had a mild heart attack before. I said, what do you mean? He said you wouldn't have realised it, but you probably have. Jeez. Said, oh, okay. Well, anyway, I said uh, well. You know, with with us, it's pain is pain. We just we just go through it. You know, um, we ride through all the pain. But um, yeah, and then from then on, it's just um, in hospital, boom, operation, and that's it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You got a warning. Well, well done, and uh, doing something about it, doing plenty yeah, about it. Yeah, oh, that's great. Now you you've been, what do you call it, um, uh, seconded to work uh, as a mentor. To Angela Jones. Is it just Angela or are there other Golan uh, jockeys that you can work with? But uh, she's the one that's been mentioned. You must be able to teach. That's the first thing. And, of course, you've got the experience of all around the world dealing with pressure. That's it. Well, I think it's more the dealing with the pressure part of it. You know, Angela's already got the ability as a rider mm -hmm. um, and she's got great attitude. So, look, Tony spoke to me about it and I actually haven't sat down, you know, and, and spoken to him and, and, and done out a program, um, which I will do once I, I get mobile and all that. Um, in fact, I actually got to give him a call this week and just have a chat to him. But, um, you know, and then we'll, we'll take it from there. Um, uh, I would like to do a few others, but uh, that's totally up to up to them if they want to they want to come on, come on board and all that. But at the moment, the main goal is uh, for, for Tony and um, and see how we go from there. So, a... yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. It'll be a new it'll be a new chapter for me, but. Um, I think it'll be um, it'll be nice to go into that side of it because, uh, like you say, I have I've been through a lot of things in my career, and yeah. I think pressure and all that, and all the downs, the lows, is are the parts where you got to concentrate on. You know, those are the ones that, that can affect you. Mm. Yeah, we um, lose. Don't yeah. have a strong mind. Yeah, you're right. We lose a lot of young jockeys, whether it be weight battles or, or or other things. You know, there's a there's a lot of distractions when it comes when money comes early and. Uh, yeah, I reckon you'd be ideal. We we can't lose forty years of your career to uh, to the racing industry. I think it's fantastic. Hey, mm. I know you get asked this a million times. Uh, you know, Hong Kong Jockeys Premiership, to Rocket Man, Fairy King, Prawn, a twenty twenty Stradbroke on Tie Zone in the middle of the pandemic when there was no one out there. Um, highlights, <laughs> mate. Are they the highlights? Oh, they, yeah, they would be, and plus probably, um, I would say, you know. Some back home as well. Um, I rode some good horses there, some sub-group races, which, you know, one good horse, uh, won one of our big group races there. He's now, he was a top stallion, passed away, unfortunately. Um, very, very good horse. I won the Triple Crown, which is very hard. I think only three horses have done it so far in the history of, of Africa. And um, 
In fact, I was over here, um, and then I had to fly back for the last leg. <laughs> wow. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, the, the, those are the other, the, the highlights, you know, um, obviously Hong Kong, Singapore, you know, with Rocketman and all that. Um, yeah, I've been very fortunate. Jeez, I've, I've ridden some good horses, you know, and, and some, in some good places too, some, um, some very high, um, strong racing, uh, 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 what do you, what do you call it? Cities or, or whatever. Mm, yep. Do restrictions and um, it's it's you know just to get winners is hard enough and then just to get on some of the good horses. Yep. And that yep. was just uh, I was I was blessed you know I was very lucky and very fortunate. Yeah, it must, it must be a big lonely world when when an apprentice's apprentice lose their claim. So Angela has to has to learn all that. What what would be a list of things that you could just keep an eye on that she's dealing with? Uh, you know, techniques is one thing, but there's a lot more that goes into getting those good rides, eh? Yeah, well, look, the, the the fortunate thing, Angela's got um, the backing of Tony, and well, no, Tony, he's, he's, he's uh, record speaks for itself. You know, great trainer. Um, you know, I've, I've always said he's he's, he's the best. Um, that one of the best I've ridden for, actually, to be quite honest. Okay. Um, he's a very very good trainer. He's um, he supports her, and um, I think that's the positive side. Yes. But um, obviously when she loses her clan, things then have to change. You have to ride a bit different, you know, because you don't have that, that weight coming off their backs. Mm. Um, then you've got to change a little bit and sometimes you might not get the support from other people like you, you were getting mm. and that could play on your mind a little bit, but uh, we can work on that. We'll get around that. I just think she's a positive person um, and uh, she's got loads of ability and, and she'll go far in the industry for sure. Hey, time is getting away from us, Robbie. Lovely to talk to you. So good to hear you sounding so well after a real scare over that Christmas period. And, and I think it's it's fantastic that we're not going to lose you to the industry because we can ill afford to, to lose someone with 40 years' experience like you. Oh, no, thanks, guys. I really appreciate that. Thanks for the kind words, you know. Um, yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll be fine. I'll be back. Um, I'm sure someone they'll see me back on the racetrack soon, but, uh, you know, in a different... Um, in a different role. So, um, yeah, it's, it's what I know, and racing's my life. It's been my life. You all know that. Um, and I don't want to, you know, be lost to it. So, um, yeah, I'll be I'll be there. I'll be yeah. great, and I'm feeling good and in touch with everything goes well, yeah. Great stuff. Great Thanks, stuff. Robbie. Thanks, Robbie. Really appreciate your time this morning.